Hello, this is Aaron Wren, and welcome back to the podcast. I am pleased to be joined today uh, by Tyler Vanderweel, who is the uh, Loeb Professor of Epidemiology in the School of Public Health at Harvard, and for the purposes of our conversation today, also the Director of the Human Flourishing Program at Harvard. So, Tyler, I'm going to hand you the mic. And, and first off, we hear the term human flourishing a lot, but just what does human flourishing mean in the context of your program? Aaron, it's wonderful to be with you here today and delighted to be able to have this conversation. Uh, we began this work on human flourishing at uh, Harvard and the Human Flourishing Program three years ago. And of course, one of the big questions is, what is human flourishing? And certainly conceptions of human flourishing do vary across uh, philosophical and, and religious traditions. The working definition we've been using in our own research is a state in which all aspects of a person's life are good. Now, with the definition so broad, we might wonder, well, how can we go about trying to form consensus on this or uh, or measure this? And so what we've tried to do is to identify areas in which we think there's almost universal agreement that whatever else human flourishing might include, it would include these things uh, as well. And so the areas we've focused on are, are five different domains in life, happiness and life satisfaction, mental and physical health, meaning and purpose, character and virtue, and close social relationships. Our argument is not that these exhaust what human flourishing is, but that however else human flourishing might be understood or whatever else it might include, almost every conception would include these five domains as well. And so that this might provide some grounds on which to uh, build consensus and um, hopefully some agreement on what to measure. Well, you yourself are a hardcore uh, statistician, mathematician, so you're obviously bringing a lot of quantitative methods to bear, but this is a very interdisciplinary group that you put together. So what are the, some of the kind of disciplinary approaches that you're using to investigate the, this area? That's right. So the Human Flourishing Program at Harvard is attempting to address these questions on how to promote human flourishing from interdisciplinary perspectives. And what we're trying to do principally is bring the empirical quantitative social sciences into dialogue with the humanities, principally philosophy and theology. So here at the program, we have a sociologist, two philosophers, one of whom is also a priest, a psychosocial epidemiologist, uh, and, and myself. My ba own background is in uh, statistics. And so we're trying to build various data sets to attempt to understand the major determinants of human well-being, of, of, of human flourishing. Um, to do so, we need to ask various questions. Uh, questions of, of the participants in our, our studies on those domains like happiness and purpose and health and social relationships and character. But what we're trying to do and what's somewhat unique to, to our program is we're trying to have those measures informed by the philosophical and theological traditions that exist on topics like meaning and purpose and character and virtue. So we've, we've developed our own uh, brief measure of, of human flourishing, uh, 10 items, two items uh, in each of those domains. We realize this is, of course, a relatively crude measure, but we think it's better than having nothing at all or just relying on a life expectancy or a crude measure of, of, of happiness. Um, and then we're also... Uh, 
trying to develop more uh, detailed and more conceptually adequate measures in each of these domains as well. So, for example, we have a new uh, measure which we'll be releasing later uh, this month, uh, trying to capture various aspects of meaning and purpose more comprehensively. And again, those measurement efforts are shaped by um, reading through much of the philosophical and theological literature on these topics, trying to extract um, the major themes and develop these measures in, in collaboration with the social sciences and philosophy. So I, I would be interested in kind of your take on the uh, kind of state of human flourishing in the modern world. So we hear a lot of headlines in the paper of kind of grim news about certain things. So essentially like declining life expectancy uh, and opioid uh, deaths, which some people consider sort of deaths of despair. Uh, There's just more research out on, um, you know, the number of uh, young men who haven't uh, had sex in the last year has tripled. Uh, in the last decade, and the number of, of, of females in that 18 to 30 age group has doubled, and I don't think it's because they've all taken vows of celibacy. Uh, I don't think that's probably the thing. So we see these little things, and, and kind of like, what do you see? Uh, you know, many people, there's there's kind of a lot of critics of modern society. Uh, so I'm just wondering, uh, just wondering what you guys are finding empirically about what's really going on, because there are other schools of thought that say, hey, guys, Let's look objectively comparing America to the 70s and like things are like way better than they used to be. That's a very good question. Is human flourishing going up or down? And I would say there are two important considerations in answering that question. One is the time scale that you're looking at. And secondly, is what sorts of domains or outcomes are you examining? Um, so, for example, with regard to time scale, I would say that the uh, tr trends in life expectancy in the United States are uh, somewhat troubling. That has been declining the last uh, couple of years, and, and it needs attention. On the other hand, if you look at a 100-year uh, time span, uh, things have improved rather dramatically. The, the general trend has unquestionably uh, been up. It is important whether this little decline over the last two years happens to be a, a small blip or, or whether this is the beginning of a, of a new trend, and, and we don't know. So I think there is reasonable cause for concern. But with regard to health um, and life expectancy, there have been tremendous advances over the last hundred years in this country and worldwide. There is no question about that. Um, and so there are people, uh, Steven Pinker, for example, is, is one of them who in his book Enlightenment Now says things really aren't as bad as, as they seem. And if we really look at the data, uh, there's been massive improvements. And I think he's right on some outcomes. So if one looks again at health or life expectancy, things have improved dramatically. Uh, if one looks at uh, incomes or nutrition um, or literacy, things have likewise improved dramatically over the last hundred years. And so I think really on, on material outcomes, uh, financial outcomes, uh, health outcomes, things have improved. The question is, what's being left out of his analysis? And how do we make sense of the fact that many people seem to think things are getting worse? And so while I think his book does a very good job of documenting the, the improvements and the outcomes that he's examined, I think there's also a lot missing that he ignores, that he doesn't report. So if we turn to, say, 
um, questions of meaning and purpose. We don't have extensive data there, but what we do have is a bit troubling. Uh, it looks like um, measures of meaning and purpose are, are actually higher in poorer uh, developed developing countries than they are in developed countries. This is the opposite um, as what we would find for happiness, for example. Uh, likewise, with social relationships, there's some indication, though again the data is somewhat sparse, that loneliness rates for adults have increased. Community participation has fallen dramatically, as, for example, documented in Robert Putnam's Bowling Alone. Uh, levels of trust have declined uh, very substantially. Uh, and so I think these things are, are, are concerning. I think our social relationships are not as good uh, as they once were. Marriage rates have, have declined very substantially, in spite marriage still being desired by the vast majority uh, of, of, of people. Um, you know, likewise, I think in terms of questions of character, this is difficult to measure. But if you look once again at those measures of trust, those are down. If you ask people questions along the lines of, are people as good and moral as they were the previous generation? The proportion saying no has gone up pretty dramatically as well. So I think there have been losses there. And so although we have made real and important gains in, in health and um in sort of material sustenance and nutrition and literacy, and I certainly think these are important, I think on other aspects of human life, such as relationships, such as character, such as meaning and purpose, things that in some ways are most central to what it is uh, to be human, there probably have been losses, and it's important to think about those and to try to think of ways to address them. You know, coming from a, a think tank world, my first question is always, you know, what are we going to do about that? What policy should we put in place? Do you guys do any policy analysis or have you made any, you know, thoughts about like what might be done to improve on some of the measures that are not performing so well? So the focus of the Human Flourishing Program at Harvard is principally uh, research. What we're trying to do is understand uh, the determinants of a sense of meaning and purpose in life, uh, the, the, the determinants of good relationships or of, of, of character. Um, we hope, certainly, that that research uh, would inform policy. Um, and in many of our research papers, we, we do try to make suggestions as to what the policy uh, implications might be, um, but but the focus of our work really is not on uh, on policy. However, our research has suggested um, several very important pathways with regard to how flourishing can be promoted. Um, and if if we take a public health perspective, population health perspective, often the, the public health impact of a particular uh, phenomena or, or intervention or, or exposure is assessed based on two things, one of which is how common is that phenomena or exposure, and secondly, how large are its effects. And if something's very common and has large effects, it's going to shape population health. So if we think about physical health in this way, we're led to major physical determinants, uh, determinants of physical health being things things like uh, exercising, getting good sleep, eating well, not smoking, and so on and so forth. But if we turn that same lens to questions of human flourishing and ask what things are common and shape not just physical health, but also have strong effects on, on happiness, on meaning and purpose, on character, on, on social relationships, 
the list looks rather different. Um, and what we've found in, in our research and in our reviews of the literature is that uh, four aspects of life we think are both common and shape each of these various flourishing domains. And those four things are work, education, family, and religious community. There is strong evidence that each of these powerfully affects the five flourishing domains. So I think policies that enable families to thrive, religious communities to thrive, for people to find work and um, to, to help people achieve education, I think those things uh, would make tremendous difference with regard to human flourishing. So just thinking about this from the individual level, um, you know, I'm a young uh, person. Let's say I'm a college student, so I'm always I'm already working on my um, I'm already working on my education. Um, that almost sounds like a little bit of a money ball for human flourishing sort of thing. Statistically speaking, you know, maybe I ought to really think about um, establishing my own family, like marriage or kids or things like that, which I think in a lot of ways have been deprioritized. We tend to defer. Let's wait till till later. I'll kind of get that later. But you're saying something like that might actually have significant influences. So maybe we ought, to, we ought to look at some of these other domains. Is so is that sort of like is there any way to like play money ball for human flourishing if you're you're a 21 year old college student? Let's say. Well, I'm I'm not sure I would quite put it um, like that. Um, no, I, I do think questions about uh, marriage commitments are are important. I think perhaps uh, uh, many young people today are. Uh, delaying those commitments uh, for too long. Um, but I, I, you know, I would say that decisions uh, about marriage shouldn't be shaped based on the fact that they will make you healthier or, or happier. It should be a sense of, of calling and commitment uh, to this person. Um, but you know, I do think that does play a role in individual decision making insofar as if you think you've, you've found someone who's going to be a life good life partner, then the research suggests that making that commitment to marriage will likely have profound effects, at least on average, uh, on your happiness, on your life expectancy, on how well uh, your children do, um, and on whether that relationship persists uh, over time. That commitment is not I irrelevant. So I, I, I do think these things uh, come into to play in, in individual decision-making. Now, likewise, with regard to, to, to work, a young person has completed their education, uh, lots of opportunities perhaps are open to them, uh, but how do you make that decision on what sort of work that you engage in? Do you just simply maximize salary? That is one option, and that comes with benefits, certainly. Um, but I would say the research suggests that, that work itself profoundly affects human flourishing in ways that extend beyond money. Um, work can be a, a tremendous source of meaning and purpose, a, a, a very rich source as well of, of deep uh, relationships. But finding work that provides those relationships or that provides um, a sense of purpose or that allows one to grow in character uh, may involve a different set of considerations than simply trying to uh, maximize one salary. And so I, I do think these broader considerations of human flourishing should be taken to a, into account uh, by individuals when making decisions like marriage or like work. 
Well, Tyler, that's great. Obviously, right? You can't treat you can't treat family or religion as just things that you do because they think you're going to have good outcomes. You actually have to like it. You got to be a believer. You actually have to believe in it. You actually have to be uh, in love with that person. But uh, it's good to think about all the things that make us, um, you know, that go into making the complete package of, of learning life. So good luck in your work, and thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you, Aaron. It really has been a pleasure being here, and I, I hope the work that we're doing here can help promote flourishing in this country and beyond. Thank you again. Thank you. And once again, if you have not left a rating for the podcast on iTunes or the platform where uh, you listen to this, please do. Please hit the like button. Uh, please leave a rating. Please leave a review uh, because that really helps people to discover it. Thank you very much, and uh, thanks for listening.